The following program has been pre-recorded. On this episode of Belonging, the show for young Catholic adults, we'll talk to John and Bridget Lepard with My Recovery Road Ministries to talk about addiction. What they don't understand is when you start doing drugs at an early stage, your brain really ne- doesn't develop. We're all affected in some way, but the bottom line is you're not alone. But I've been there with people, you know, and I can't say yes. I probably don't know how you feel, but I'm here. We're going to, you know, we're going to do this together. Next. This program is made possible by the generous donations of Jeannie and Bill Stasekel, members of Christ the King Parish in Nashville, and by a grant from the Cook Foundation. Take advantage of the many opportunities for young people in the Nashville Diocese to connect and find belonging. Like University Catholic, a community of college-age students who are serious about their faith and unite in fellowship and friendship to deepen their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Go to universitycatholic.org to find out more. You can also connect with young Catholics like you by attending events like Summit Music City. It's a night of music followed by adoration and reconciliation. It's free and open to young people of all faiths. Go to soundscatholic.com or try Theology on Tap, where you can gather with other people in their 20s and 30s like you who want to learn more about their faith while enjoying a beverage together. Join Theology on Tap Nashville on Facebook for events and times. Welcome to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio, where each week we interview different guests to detail different parts of young adult life, whether it be finances or relationships. And uh, Each week we're joined as we are by Father Jervon, the chaplain at University Catholic here in Nashville, and also helping a lot with the bishop. My name is Zach Jansen. I grew up here in Middle Tennessee. I'm a recent graduate of Belmont University in Nashville, uh, but it's here to also co-host this show. Uh, but we have a very special guest this week uh, to talk about addiction counseling. We're joined by Mr. and Mrs. John and Bridget Lepard. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, where you're from originally, and or, or how you met, too, what, what you're doing together. Well, we met in church uh, 20 years ago, and uh, since then we were married and have had a very successful ministry. Uh, and in the last 10 years, we have had a successful ministry in uh, helping re- people recovering from substance abuse. Um, we It's been a very rewarding 20 years. Oh, wow. So I understand you're a singer, songwriter, and you've done, you've done everything growing up in Texas, right? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I grew up in uh, West Texas in the Permian Basin area where there was a lot of oil production, hmm. and she grew up in the Houston area. So we both came to Nashville and from Texas and found each other here. So, oh. so talking about this topic of addiction, I think it was very really relevant, at least I think to all of our lives. Um, we had an episode about adoption uh, where I was able to bring up my older brother, who, hmm. who you know so well. Thank you uh, for, for counseling him. Uh, but just to talk about the topic of, of addiction is what came up as well. So did it pertain to your life growing up, uh, addiction, or, or to anything? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I started uh, doing drugs at 17. I mm. uh, did drugs from the time I was 17 until I was in my mid-30s. Mm. Um, that's whenever I recommitted my life to the Lord, and and He helped me overcome that addiction and uh, called me into the ministry. She also has a past in uh, addiction, so I'll let her explain her past yeah, well, in addiction. Well, Bridget, what is your side of the story? Yeah. Well, thank you yeah. for having us here today and mm-hmm. talking about this subject because, as you know, it's no social economic 
you know, person. It's all across the board. Addiction is taking over. And from my life, actually, I have been in long-term recovery now for 39 years. Wow. And you, but you would look at my life and thinking, okay, I grew up in a great middle-class family. Yeah, my parents had issues. They had problems. But there was nothing traumatic in my life that would have me turn to drugs. But um, just the 70s, let's just mm. say drugs, sex, and rock and roll, yeah. <laughs> that was all a part of it. But you just have that one time of just, you know, smoking pot or doing pills or whatever, and you just get this high that is just something that just kind of takes over your mind. Is that, that really you know, that's a great feeling. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, me, I was shy. I kind of came out of myself. And as far as, you know, my peers, yeah, you know, let's party. And it just kind of takes over your whole, you know, life. And um, it's just so easy just to, again, you just kind of get caught into it, get caught into it. And then it's like, I need that next high. I need that next high. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, when I was 24, um, I said, you know, my life is going nowhere fast. And I grew up in the church, and it's like, you know, I'm going to kind of return to my roots. And I returned back to church, and and I kind of got a sense of, in the church, I had this great testimony of what, you know, the Lord had done in my life. But then the church was like, wow, okay, you know, kind of the sign of the cross, stay away from me, because wow. they didn't understand that, you know, addiction, again, is not, you're not, it's not a moral issue. And and a lot of people look at that, it really is a disease. It's a wow. brain disease. Mm. And the brain just says, oh, I like that little dopamine that you just gave me, you know, so give let me, me more. give me more. <laughs> so more or less, that was, that was my history. And now that we are both counselors um, at Hope Center Ministries, which is a faith-based rehab facility here in Tennessee, and they're actually all over the United States, mm-hmm. we really can talk about our road to recovery, mm-hmm. which is, is faith. But you need all those tools. You know, if you if you grew up in drugs, I mean, let's just say if you start when you were 15, 16, well, your framework and that type, you know, what, you know, 16, 15 year old is really a smart kid. You know, you're still learning. You're still kind of, you know, learning about, you know, right and wrong. And, you know, you're in school. So you're not fully developed and you're emotionally, you're, you're just a kid. Hmm. So when, you know, kids or people, and I say kids because everybody's younger than me mm-hmm. these days, well, except for you, but <laughs> you're my yeah. husband. But anyway, that, that uh, they need tools because they've never really lived, you know, a life <laughs> of recovery, a life of, oh, how do I balance a checkbook? What is really a checkbook? You know, hmm. You know, eight to five job. Oh, what is that? You know, for me to be dependable and responsible. And, you know, it's just they need the tools that are out there that the state of Tennessee actually has unbelievable um, resources. So the, for help the help is there. The help is there. Absolutely. The help yeah. is there. The thing is, uh, the brain doesn't really fully develop until in women 21 years old and with men 25 years old. So if you're lucky, yeah, if you're lucky, <laughs> and when yeah, so I recommend to women don't ever marry a guy unless he's 25 because you know, he hasn't grown up yet. <laughs> yep. But anyway, uh, what they don't understand is when you start. Uh, doing drugs at an early stage, your brain really ne- doesn't develop. It it goes, it starts shrinking, and it never really gets to its full capacity. And then also the, the, is the whole thing about the the social shame, right? right. It's like the, the little do- dirty secret, you know, mm. I, I'm okay, you know. Uh, it, it's just, it, it, and I think it goes like, 
well, I'm doing this. At least I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. And then when he started to do that, I was like, well, it could be worse. So it's, it's like all that social thing and people don't really necessarily know how to interact with people. You know, like going back to what you say, it is a disease. Yes, you yes, know, it and is. it was like, why is he or she doing this? Like, well, it's a disease, you know. Nobody say, why Why are you diabetic? <laughs> you know, or you... Mm -hmm. So it's kind of about the whole social stigma or the taboo and all that kind of stuff it's there yeah, yeah. that is the major one uh you know stigma and not only you know in society in the general society the secular society but so much more so in the church and if the anybody should be non-judgmental it's the church Amen. and that's what's so sad about that but going back to what you're saying it is a disease if you look at a person that you know goes to mcdonald's every day and then oh they have heart disease it's the same thing you know you you use drugs the disease it, it changes the chemical of your brain it changes everything and it so it is a disease i mean there's brain scans that show you know a person you know alcohol what that does to your brain and then you, methamphetamine what that does to your brain and it just all it it really just basically destroys the brain destroys the channels for the transmitters that flow all of the energy through the brain mm. and sometimes those channels never come back mm. and so where does the, where does the where does it start really you're talking about people being 15 16 17 getting into either simple drugs or, or the more serious stuff and then and, and drinking too where does that start for a teenager? Is it as far as the peer pressure with their friends? If I want to fit in, or is it, is it something in the household? Or what, what trends have you seen as are well, people starting? There's three things. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, three things. First, hereditary. Hmm. Is it in the family? Uh, so you will have a propensity to be to take you know use drugs. Now again, it, you know my mom was an alcoholic. Hmm. I really alcohol was I could give or take it. It was really drugs with me. So that was number one. Number two is childhood tra uh, trauma, mm -hmm. and that could be physical, sexual. <sighs> it can be even just a you know a dysfunctional family. The parents fought con you know fight constantly. And and how much of that trauma is, is kept to themselves usually too? Mm -hmm. There's no one to turn to except yeah. to let it out that way. They turn to drugs mm -hmm. to escape reality. Mm -hmm. And you were saying? And then saying. the third one is uh, something that is socially acceptable, like mm -hmm. drinking, mm -hmm. you know, or even, you know, today smoking uh, marijuana, smoking pot. Um, how did you all get started as far as like st starting a, re a recovery ministry? Did you see the, did you see yourselves in these people in a way that you were? Helping? Oh, absolutely. How we got started is uh, we had a church in Lewisburg and right down the road from our church was a, a recovery center called Buffalo Valley. Hmm. And uh, it started by, we just wanted to invite the girls that was an all female facility uh, to have a uh, Thanksgiving dinner and we wanted to just do something to bless them because we had some people in our congregation that were recovering addicts and we knew about the, the Buffalo Valley. So we had, the, um, we had a Thanksgiving dinner and all of the people from the church gave up their Thanksgiving and we laid out a wonderful spread for these people that had never experienced that before. And some of the women that came had never been uh, able to have such a luxurious meal. I mean, we brought out fine china. We brought out the works, man. We gave them something that they'd never experienced before. And they, uh, 
from that point on, we knew that we, we just fell in love with them because mm. they were so receptive of just so anything that we did for them that we knew that this is our ministry. And so we we were actually one of the very first congregations to apply for uh, a certified recovery congregation when the state started their um, uh, faith-based initiative. Mm -hmm. And so we became, well, we never got the certificate, but we applied for it. But we were a um, recovery congregation. And over the, from not, uh, 2011 till 2018, when we retired, we probably ministered to at least 2,000 people coming in and out. They would come in for 21 to 60 days, and they would go out. And we were able to minister to thousands of young people, uh, which was such an opportunity for us. Mm, that's amazing. After we retired, Bridget and I have started My Recovery Road Ministry, which is continuation of that. Mm. So. And thinking too um, about the, the rehabilitation process, I think in my head from the outside looking in, it, it almost seems kind of, dare I say, easy, but it has to be the hardest thing ever. Uh, but one topic we always talk about here is just, at least with the faith, is that how it's it's more than a, a one-time decision. It's a, it's a daily choice. It's a daily decision, yes. Like yeah. going to the gym. How, how much so is that for, for someone who is recovering from addiction uh, in the program? I, I hear the word another day so grateful for another day sober a lot one day at a time how much is it a, a daily struggle for people going to recovery it really is a daily struggle because um, every day for especially the first year of recovery uh, because the the frontal cortex of the brain is still not functioning properly and it normally takes nine months to a year to far to completely function or function completely uh, it starts functioning some in about two or three months. And so that's why it's such a struggle to get past that first year because you're not thinking with all the capacity of your mind. And your uh, your body is screaming for that dopamine, that, that high, and it's just a daily struggle of saying no to that thing every day. And... Uh, dealing with some of these young men that I talk with and some of the young women that Bridget talks with, it's a daily struggle. Uh, they, I don't know how many times I've had to talk people out of leaving the facility and going and getting high. And wow. relapse. Talk people out of it? Absolutely. Oh every day. Every, it gets to that point? Yeah, they do. Because a lot of stuff is like it's their safe place. Hmm. You know, so they don't think about it. Wow. That's where they go. Yeah. I have a problem. I have. I'm disappointed. I'm whatever it is. That's where they go as their safe place. Mm. They don't thinking about that. Wow. It's it's their brain saying, "Go there again. You yeah. need this. That's, you yeah. need this. You mm -hmm. need that this. brain is And you know, relapse happens in three phases. The first phase is you start thinking about it. Second phase is you go there emotionally. And then if you don't stop it in those two phases, you'll go, it's physical after that. Mm. And so um, there's several of the boys that I'm counseling right now that are in second phase of relapse. If they could, they would be out the door and relapsing right now. Uh, and it's my job as a counselor to help them through that. And uh, sometimes it seems a little bit overwhelming, 
But uh, and I think the biggest thing is the decision. I mean, we can walk with them, but bottom line, they have to decide. That's true. That they is are, so true. There are so many tools. There are so many. And talking about you know any kind of addiction, you know, if you talk about pornography, if you talk about any of things like that, mm-hmm. we can help them. We can help them with the tools. Mm-hmm. You can block your computer. You can do this. But you have to be the one who decide not to. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you have to be the one who decide is, you know, like with the alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. I have to understand that. I have to, you know, the 12 mm-hmm. steps. I have to recognize mm-hmm. this. And then I can say I can't have the first drink because it's not going to be only the first one. Mm-hmm. That's so right. I have to put myself in a situation that I know that I'm weak. I know that, I, you know, and go again. I'm not an expert on the 12 steps, but I know that I'm weak. I know that I have to go to somebody, to a, you know, high power, to God, mm. to help me with that. So, but it's a, it's a it's a it's a daily decision. It is. It is. Every day I have to decide, you know. And then at the end of the day, I was like, you know, thank you, God. This is one more day without that. Absolutely. And you know, <clears throat> next morning, help me today, that I. Be strong enough with your, you know, help to do this. And, I, you know, in a lot of times, like you guys said, with, you know, society accepting more and more stuff, we just have to be really, you know, careful with that because you created the image of God. You don't need mm. this. Right now, your brain is sick. Your brain is in a place that is not in a good place. Mm. So mm. you need the help to understand and know that that's not who you are. Yeah, the community is so important. They say the opposite of addiction is connection. And that's why with COVID, when COVID set in, actually the numbers were going down for drug overdose, Mm -hmm. which praise God. But now with COVID, the isolation, it has tripled. What people don't understand is overdose happens normally when someone has stopped using for a while Mm -hmm. and relapses. And they think they can go back and do the same amount of substance that they did before, especially fentanyl or heroin, and their body can't handle it, and it kills them. Yeah. In fact, in 2018, there were more people died of opiate overdose than uh, the whole Vietnam War combined. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think that, let's say if you, and I think the addiction is something that affects us in different ways mm-hmm. for somebody who's you know who's listening to us right now what can you say to them you know if you are in this situation if you feel that you know because we all know people who are in this situation mm-hmm. what is the first thing that you'd say to that person i would say that there is help out there and uh seek help and there's a there's a lot of people a lot of resources that are there out there that can help you and uh, if uh, if you need someone to kind of push you into that direction find someone strong that they will help you there's an organization you can go online it's called findhelp.org if you need any assistant rehab, if you if you um, need housing, food, if you want to get out of a situation, um, findhelp.org. Hmm. Just plug in your zip code, transportation. Um, if you have a family member that you're concerned about, find help 
org. They can uh, direct you to rehab facilities, recovery facilities, to uh, dental assistance, medical assistance, whatever you need. One of the things that, you know, when I see somebody who need help, what I always say is like, I'm not a counselor. You know, I'm not, I'm not able to help you 100%. So what I always do is that you have to find some kind of 12-step programs. You have to have yes. kind of some counseling. And I will help you with the whole spiritual part of it. But I, we, you can't do this by yourself, and both of us cannot do this by ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I think that you said that a lot of you do this the evil with the Holy Spiritual, taking consideration the Holy Spiritual part of it, and it is so important. Absolutely. But it's just like we need the counselor. We need the people who actually day in and day out know and it can help them. So I think that's the first thing. Find that person that you know that is going to help you. And sometimes that person is going to say things that you don't want to you don't want to hear, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, okay, buddy, let's do this, but this is what you have to do. You have to want to do this. You have to it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be, you know, but it's taking you to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. You know what you had said earlier, Zach, about um really what do you tell that person about each day is a struggle? Mm-hmm. Well, you think about how long did you do drugs? If you did it for 10, 15 years, you know, living a life of recovery is so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And if you're coming, you know, if you serve time in jail, if you, you know, you have fines that you have to pay, if you had your children taken away, you know, you know, you're going to have to, you know, start life anew, something that, again, depending upon when you started using, you don't have that maturity are really that knowing of how to start over. So it is such a uh, struggle, you know, for people to say, okay, I want to quit the drugs, but then how do I live life? Mm-hmm. And But the AA meetings, NA meetings, there's so much help. You just, you know, findhelp.org or, you know, AA. Um, everything is on the Internet these days, even mm-hmm. Zoom meetings. You know, you can go on your phone mm-hmm. and find help. It's, it's there. You just have to reach out but you have to want it. Mm. And you're right. It's going to be the hardest thing they've ever done. The hardest mm. thing, but Oh, it's a life worth living. And then that's, you know, also for the families, it's not something that is just you, you know, if you have somebody in your family and Zach, and you know, this, mm-hmm. it affects the whole family. It you does. Know? I, a couple of, a couple of years ago, I was living in a, in a parish and I had one, one of our priests, you know, is an alcoholic. Mm. And it, it was, it was so hard, you know, because I was like, you have to want this. I'm here to help you, but you have to want to stop this. I can't I can't mm-hmm. do for you. You know, I can help you whatever I can, mm-hmm. but you have to be, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be the one who decide this every day. That's know. step one. Yes. That yes. is yes. step one. And a lot of people can't get there because they're in denial. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God has a plan for them. And I and not just because I was, you know, an addict, but I, I think the creativity that we have, it's unbelievable that it comes through because it's God, you know, we're here for a purpose. Yes. And the enemy just doesn't want us to fulfill that purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and that's where you had also asked us, why did we get into this? Yeah. Why not? I mean, yeah. we look at David in Psalm 51. He talks about that I might teach transgressors 
you know, their, you know, the right ways. Mm-hmm. That's something that we can identify with. If you were to sit down with someone, because I don't think you had an issue, mm-hmm. you know, you could talk to them about your brother. Mm-hmm. But then we can really talk to them. Yeah, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've done I that. I know the feeling. I know exactly where you're, you're going. I know the emotions you're going through right now. It's just kind of the saints, you know. Mm-hmm. Why do we, why do we, you know, have the saints as an example? Because they live our lives. And now they can teach us by their lives how to do it. Amen. It's like, I know how it is. Yes, I've been there. I know it is, you know. And I think for, you know, for like for me as a priest, it's like, I haven't, you know, but I've been there with people, mm-hmm. you know, and I can say, yes, I probably I don't know how you feel, but I'm here. We're going to, you know, we're going to do this together. And, and just like that. I want to. Absolutely. I would, one thing that I would say to anyone that is out there that may be listening that does have a substance abuse disorder, that you're not alone. And to let them know that there's over 22 million people in America that are in some sort of recovery. Hmm. Uh, and there is help. And our website, myrecoveryroad.com, uh, has a lot of good information that you can go and check out. And we can help you'll email us we can help you get into a facility we know several of them that's the bottom line of it you can find community through it you don't have to sit there alone alone with your thoughts like you were saying the process of relapse is the thinking about it and the emotional seeing the total opposite that they find they think they're finding freedom but it couldn't be more slavery they're finding to to a drug um well like you were saying as we're closing off do you have any final thoughts or or statistics saying where people can find you and and hear from you as we close off here yeah um well they can come to our website Mm myrecoveryroad.com uh we also have a facebook page uh my recovery road so they can check us out there a couple of other statistics that i have uh, that every 11 minutes, someone dies from a drug overdose mm-hmm. in America. Um, overdoses kill more people in America than car accidents and homicides combined. Mm-hmm. Every 15 minutes, a baby is born suffering from opioid withdrawals. Wow. And the opioid pandemic is deadlier than the AIDS virus at its peak. And so anyone seeking help? For women, if you're, you know, dealing with, if you're in a bad situation um, and you need help, you're pregnant, you have kids, there is actually uh, rehab facilities in the state of Tennessee that actually take women in and provide a safe children. place mm-hmm. for them. And and um, the one thing I love about Hope House or Hope Ministries, you're in there for a year. It takes a year of healing, mm-hmm. of not only being abstinence <clears throat> from the drug, but also the healing of the emotions well, and learning how to do life. One thing I'd like to say before we leave is that it's very important that you build your recovery on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It's a well-known fact that people who do not, the percentage rate for re- recovery uh, is only about 2 to 3%. But with Christ, it's somewhere around 35 to 40%. So you have, give yourself a whole lot better chance of recovering if you build that recovery on Jesus Christ. Yeah, because it's not just recover. It's recover and then rebuild. You're right. not, it's just the, the whole thing you have to rebuild. 
you can't you're gonna take all this and then you're gonna put the most important thing that we have that is Christ. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. To be grateful for all of our recovery and rebuilding. Uh John and Bridget, thank you so much for being here today. Thank, thank you, you so much for it. having us. Um remember you can find their their other things at myrecoveryroad.com. Uh special thank you to Father Jervon, our co host here. Uh, my name is Zach Jansen. We hope you like what you heard today. Remember, you can always tune in at 100.5 FM or online at WBOU.org. If you're listening, you can find help, and you're not alone on the road to recovery. Uh, my name is Zach Jansen. Thank you for listening to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio. On the next Belonging, the show for young Catholic adults, we'll talk to Alan McGinn, a focused missionary at Belmont University in Nashville. To talk about where we can find happiness and fulfillment in life, where only Jesus Christ can provide. Oh God! And so I walked in the room, Christ on the altar. Is like uh, it felt the exact same way. It's like I either have to talk to you or I have to leave. Wow! And so I knelt down and I was like sitting there, like apprehensive, and I was like, I just kind of want to leave. I kind of want to leave. Praise and worship started, and I was like, okay, I'll talk. And then I broke down, had like this huge conversion. And I was like, where have I been? So you were the one crying now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the big crier. Thursday at 11 a.m. on WBOU, Nashville Catholic Radio.